my wife my wife just screamed from the other room leave hunter dozier alone oh (laughs) i was wondering what that was i heard her but i couldn't make out the words that is beautiful that is a plus memeing right there Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Royals Rundown Podcast with myself, Jake Milham, Jeremy Greco, and Greg Walker. Jeremy, how you doing tonight, man? You know, I am. I'm doing. I I'll, I'll just settle. I'm doing. You're you're doing. Okay. Well, um, Greg, can you extrapolate on doing? Do you have anything more than doing? I'm doing a podcast right now, Jacob. I didn't know that. I'm talking into a microphone over some sort of recording service. It's pretty amazing how this works. I I really can't believe it. I don't know if I've been on since the rebrand. Have I? Have I been on since this uh, podcast got renamed? Uh, it is. It has been a while. It has been a while. But I, uh, you know, I I think that our forefathers on Royals Review Radio would be proud of us. I think we've been doing a good job so far. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's been a lot of Jeremy and actually, you know what, Jeremy, I think the last time you reviewed an anime or a video game was when Greg was on. Probably. Like it no, is, it the last, uh, but uh, that might be true. But the last time Greg was on, I remember I specifically did not review an anime because I was like, listen, I'm going to break the mold here. And then Greg didn't review a beer. And that's it was crazy. Just, it was Freaky Friday, man. That might have been the time that we were talking about salads for a while. I'm not sure. Was it? Salad, fruit salad. Yeah, we talked about oh fruit salad. Oh my salads, gosh, that's right. Various types, like the Snickers salad also. Did we have an inane banter topic prepared for today? Was was there one or did they just come naturally? I I think I think they just come naturally. Like, what? It's one, one of my time, many didn't, talents. Didn't we talk about like, like chilies one time or like comparing comparing franchises to like restaurant franchises i don't think I i've been to chili's in like nine or eight years or so I, I don't really i don't really eat at chain restaurants it's not my vibe i know oh, yeah. i've had that conversation i don't remember if it was here well i'm i'm going hold on, i'm going down this tangent because i have the perfect one but if right. the royals were a restaurant franchise they would be long john silver <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> they are Ouch. they are dead and gone now but they were good a while ago so can i my interpretation of that is every once in a while i'm like you know what i had long john silvers once and i thought it was pretty good i should try it nope that was a bad decision (laughs) yeah i don't think i've ever been in the mood for long john silvers like i don't eat much fast food in general but i'm never in the mood like what do i want today fast food fish let's go yeah (laughs) Fast food fish and fried dough. I want them yeah. hush puppies, my man. Oh my gosh, Greg, no, do, you, do you do you have a, a franchise comparison like that? I don't know if you had to. You you pick any team at any restaurant franchise. It doesn't have to be the Royals. <laughs> well, I mean, this is a Royals podcast, so I feel like I should stick with the Royals. If I were going to expand it to be like the Royals are like a chain restaurant, but if you just exclude like fast food restaurants. Yeah, my my mind immediately goes to like Golden Corral, which I'll admit I've never actually eaten Golden Corral, but I haven't heard very many positive things about it. I I feel like that's a that's a solid choice. They have like a little bit of everything, but nothing's great. You yeah. know, I think that that sounds like a Royals lineup you're, right now. You, you, you're always looking at it like this could be better than it is, but it is not. There's so <laughs> much potential here, and yet, <laughs> and yet here we are. Jeremy, do you have one? I'm curious now. Oh, I was I was gonna say uh, that. Oh, I had it. It was in my head, and then it evaporated. Oh my god! I was gosh. gonna compare the Cardinals to something. It was gonna be so mean. I don't know. My my hot take is just chain restaurants aren't good. But I'm also biased because like I live really close to Westport in Kansas City, so I have uh, so many options for local places that I can readily walk to. And so I'm like, why would I? Why would I go to some chain? I can go to somewhere that's probably better and it's local. That's I mean that's a fair point. If you have it there, why not support it? So I'm I'm all for that. Yeah, no free ads though, so I won't name any of the restaurants. <laughs> yeah, you you got paid for that sort of action on this podcast. <laughs> Speaking of a, a podcast, yeah, we actually do talk about the Kansas City Royals every now and then on this here show. We're forced to, yeah. I that I would say it pays the bills, but like I don't have any bills that small, so <laughs> I'm not my day job. <laughs> I'm I'm not either. But um, um, well, I have chosen poorly, <laughs> Jeremy. What? <laughs> 
No. I heard Look, the pop tarts involved. I I don't that's know where you got for that the from. Old crew. I, yeah, that's uh that, that's that's dating yourself there, Jeremy. I, I don't yeah, know that yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? Never, never mind. I'm not going down another rabbit hole. Not doing it. All right, so we do have some Royals news to talk about today, thankfully. You know, sometimes we queue up this show and there's not really a whole lot to talk about. There's a lot of roster moves today, the biggest of which is Austin Cox. He, uh, The Royals selected his contract from AAA Omaha. He is with the roster right now, and we are still awaiting his MLB debut. But, guys, so this was the... The corresponding move was Jose Quas getting o- option to Omaha, unfortunately. And then Chris Bubich, he was moved from the 15-day IL to the 60-day uh, IL to I'm clear sorry, space Jeremy. on the 40-man roster. Jeremy, should we have a moment of silence? Like, I mean, Chris is still alive. He's still with us. He's just just not on this team right now. You know now. what? I... I let, we're not going to do a moment of silence because this is a pause in his amazing career, not an end. It's going to be it's it's an end to a season, but who cares about the 2023 season anyways? He's going to be back next year and better than ever. You heard it here oh, first. <laughs> eternal optimist, Jeremy. I I wouldn't be putting down my Chris Bubich 2024 Cy Young bets just yet. Not not quite yet. But um, Greg, I don't, you, can, I don't think you can make those bets. I think you have to wait till the end of the season to bet. I, I, I have a guy. Twenty-four Cyan. I, I have a guy. All right, don't, don't you uh, worry. Okay. About it. Is gambling legal in your state? Yes, it is out here in Virginia. Okay, it's not legal in mine. Boo! But I could ride, yet, my, I could ride my bike for no minutes if I really wanted to. I still, sorry, I, I don't live, I don't live in Missouri, but I still don't get how freaking marijuana is legal. And sports gambling is not. <laughs> make it's it not, make sense. It's not the worst thing. And I'm like just a couple if, of blocks away from the state line. And so if I really wanted to gamble, I could. Fair. I, if I had to choose between those two, I would absolutely legalize the marijuana before it's an the easy sports betting. I, I feel like. And I don't Ro- participate in either for whatever <laughs> that's worth. Just the scene from Road to El Dorado. I was like both, 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 both was good. I want both. I, want I love that movie. I know. I Katie and I watched it like two weeks ago. It's so good. It Still, is. it has aged very well. I believe it. Or well, but, I'm glad because I was actually. I said I believed it, and then I realized that no, I was scared that it wouldn't. I was scared that I was gonna like turn it on and be like, nope, it's actually full of racism. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be the first movie from my childhood that's right. out to, unfortunately. <laughs> if any movie is more than twenty years old, I turn it on assuming there's gonna be some racism or sexism in there that's like really obvious now, but at the time kind of nobody noticed. We just kind of glossed over it. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. All right. Back to back to Royals. Back to Royals. I promise. <laughs> um, yes. Austin Cox. Mercer legend, everyone. Austin Cox. Um, oddly enough, I, I am going to plug stuff outside of Royals review for this one. I, I know. Right. Whoa. I actually interviewed Austin last night at like nine o'clock my time. It was like, hey, you want to do a and a want to just talk about your season and your offseason, all that jazz, yada, yada, yada beautiful beautiful soundbite on his goals and how he wants to focus on where he's at and things like that yada 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 boom this afternoon gets promoted so to all you prospects out there i think i might be good luck i don't know i I would i would be picking up that phone if you called me just jeremy i know you are i think you're like the the 58th royals first base prospect Uh in my rankings <laughs> things have gone very poorly for the royals i have slugger at 34th uh, that makes sense <laughs> and uh greg unfortunately you are you're a little down there on the second base ranking so you're gonna have to pick it no, up not okay great. not great working on not, it. For, not great at all I, for what it's worth i'm absolutely a second baseman not a first i can't do the <laughs> oh, yeah. work at first base at, at all <laughs> They tried to put me at first base, and I was like, "This is not happening." I, I think you have the dexterity for a uh, you know to do the Nick Nicky Prado uh, splits, don't you? 
don't don't you have that that flexibility? Can't you do I'm that? Not even, I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna respond. Not even to gonna that. Enter, entertain that. Okay. All right. All right. Well, hey, maybe you'll respond to this. Austin Cox. Listen, he is a uh, he's not like a high tier prospect in the Royals farm system, but he is still a part of that 2018 draft class, um, picked in round five, if I do recall yes. correctly. Um, it has. I wouldn't say like he's. It makes sense that he got called up, but he's like. It wasn't a no-brainer either. Like, Greg, how did you respond when you first saw that move? I responded with, wow, that's cool. It didn't really have much of a response besides that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, first off, shout-outs to the pride of the SoCon at Mercer. Yeah, 124 strikeouts and 87 two-thirds innings in his draft season at uh, Mercer. So, very cool there. I don't like. I know he's been a starter in the minors for pretty much his entire pro career. I just don't know if he can really be a big league starter because, like, I don't know if he really has a third pitch and the fastball is, isn't very good. So I don't know if he can actually stick as a starter. And I know he like this season at least he was kind of striking guys out in AAA, which is cool. But he's having walk issues and he's having some home run issues. They're a little bit fluky. Like the home run per fly ball rate's a bit inflated, and so if that falls off, he could be fine. I guess he's going to take over like the Ryan Yarbrough lefty fifth starter that doesn't go more than four innings sort of role. Like, I guess Mm -hmm. that's what he's doing here. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that at all. But Jeremy, do you have any other um, outlook on Cox's role in Kansas City? I'm just glad it was a promotion because when when the rumors first started flying, it's like Austin Cox isn't starting today. Guys are getting moved around. Guys are getting promoted. I was like, oh, no, he's hurt. (laughs) what happened to austin cox um so i'm glad he's up here i'm glad he's getting a chance it's always nice to see uh another person inducted into the brotherhood of major league baseball um so I'm, i'm certainly very happy for him and i hope he has all kinds of success because at least that would be interesting to watch that it would and at least you get to see more because he's not exactly a young prospect he's a he's 26 still so he's not super old but like you know, he's kind he's of been in. Yeah, he's he's right on that. Like, OK, do you do you cut your losses and move on or do you just promote him and see what you have? At least um, I will say friend, friend of the post, friend of the podcast, Josh Kaiser um, put out a nice little breakdown on Cox, uh, noting his new look change up, which he did talk about with me. That was a big point of emphasis this offseason with the new pitching coaches. Um, but you were right, Greg, the, the four seam fastball does have some good movement on it, but that 91 to 93, you know, touch and 95 speed is just not going to get it done against most major league batters. Um, Josh also talked about a cutter and a slider that he has, um, not, a not too educated on how those are looking, but I think he is, I think he is a two pitch mix sort of guy. So. I I'm read in his prospect report from last year. He kind of ditched his slider, so I wonder if that's changed since then. I thought he was mainly like fastball, curveball. Gotcha, gotcha. That uh, that could be that, what could, be, that could be wrong. I was like early last year, and so like maybe he changed something in AAA. I don't know. Well, a, a lot of a lot of stuff has probably changed with this new pitching coach. You know, mandates and raid the zone and things like that. And I think it's but, probably worth noting. It's not like there's a whole lot of other lefty options in the minors right now. If that's what they're yeah. going for. Like the only other lefties in AAA are Drew Parrish and Marcelo Martinez. And so it's not like they have a whole lot of other guys that could have brought up for that. Man, it's that's so unfortunate that they don't have, you know, like a, a lefty reliever who's had a lot of success at the minor league level and, you yeah. know, showed some flashes at the big league level. <laughs> it's that too be? bad that guy just never appeared. Just never, you know, never really panned out, right? Yeah, he's just it's all in your head. You imagine that guy. He's not real. Well, oh, he he's real to another team right now, trust me. <laughs> he's really real right now. But uh but yeah, we're over here at the podcast and royalsreview.com. We really do wish Austin the best whenever he does make his debut. And honestly, I just hope that he makes a great first impression. Um sound sounded like a really down to earth guy when he was talking to me. Um, he got married last December, so he's still like a kind of like a newlywed. So really, uh, can't don't have a bad word to say about the guy. At I hope all. he throws a no hitter. Oh my gosh, that'd be so. I cool, hope someone it? throws a no hitter, whether it's a Royals pitcher or a non Royals pitcher against the Royals. There should be a no hitter pitched in a Royals game this year. 
Well, I'm just we, saying. Have, we haven't been involved in one in a while, I think, since John yeah. Lester. Yeah, exactly. So let's go. Get on that. Get on that. I do know the Royals have never had a perfect game or been involved in a perfect game. So that would be kind of cool to see. Yeah, they haven't been perfect gamed before. So I guess that's a plus. That would uh, would that be a new low or a new high? Because like the Royals would get on Sports Center the next day, but then <laughs> it's also the Royals getting perfect gamed. That's a new low. That reminds <laughs> me. I think it was uh, 2021. So I watch all the games on MLB TV, right? Mm-hmm. And they pick like five clips that they highlight during the commercial breaks for the whole. Yeah. It's like you have so many baseball games. Why are there only five highlight clips? And one of them was, and, and it's never the Royals, of course, except this time the Royals were there. And it, it was when Nikki Lopez bunted into the triple play against the twins. Oh my God. And I, was, I was like, Oh yeah, the Royals are finally the highlight. And of course it's when they bunted into a triple play. Jeremy, you don't you don't pay to see those plays. You pay to see the baseball Zen like 25 times. Oh, my gosh. Right? The baseball Zen actually really upsets me. I'm like, really? Just just give me some like just play some baseball bat cracks. Just like pop, 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 pop. That would be Zen. This whole like <laughs> like that's not Zen. I'm not chill right now. <laughs> this is the opposite of chill. Oh my gosh! But yeah, I no. Like that screen is just—I like that screen that's just commercial break in progress with no audio. Like that's my preference. I mean, that, I don't—I prefer that to the. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've woken up to like "Thank you for tuning in" or whatever they say at the bottom of that screen because I fell asleep during a Royals game. <laughs> Especially when the games were out on the West Coast. Good Lord. Uh, the games weren't starting until 940 Eastern time. I'm pretty I'm much like, falling asleep with a Padres game on every night. Oh, man. That does sound good. That I'm, sounds I'm, much, much smarter, honestly. Yes, it does. Sounds much more enjoyable. They actually but win hey, games occasionally, so oof. that's good. That That is good. That is always positive. But speaking of Royals positives, we do have to talk about Salvador Perez, man. Like. Dude has been on an absolute heater, heater the last week. His he got five a cool five hundred average, two walks, which is craziness to me. It is just and wow, <laughs> that's the only way to put it. Only three strikeouts, the three home runs, including that multi home run game on Monday or was it Monday night? No, Tuesday, Tuesday night. night. Yeah, excuse me. Um. Jeremy, are you are you glad to see a uh, Salvador Perez back at the plate doing his thing? I, I'm always happy to see Salvi out there doing his thing. Um, except, you know, when he the, the only time I'm not happy to see Salvi is when he's really deep in a slump and he's mm. just swinging at pitches that are like ten feet outside the strike zone. Otherwise, it's like anything could happen at any moment. And man, when he gets a hold of one. He, he hits it a long ways. He does not hit cheap home runs. Nope. He really doesn't. He just powers him out of there. Greg, how are you feeling about Salvi and his uh, little hot streak? I don't know why any pitcher ever throws him anything in the middle of the strike zone. Like, I don't it, know why they don't move. just go, like, breaking balls down just on every single pitch. Like, you have to try to box Salvi. That, that's true, but if you really, really bury it, but... You're right. Just the past six games, he's got a little hood streak. He's been absolutely phenomenal. Which, like, he was supposed to be one of the guys who could be confident that would actually like hit this year. And so the fact that he has been lately is really encouraging to see. But it also just stands out to me because I think it's a reminder of like early season small samples and all that. Because yeah, right before the six game hitting streak, he was he hit a 67 WRC plus at the time at, on the season. Like he was hitting 220, slugging 366. In one week, he's gone from a 67 WRC plus to 121 on the season. So Good it's Lord. just a reminder, like all it takes at this point when the samples are this small is one hot streak in your back. And so in general, it's not time to bring out the pitchforks quite yet just because some guys are struggling because it's a long season. There's still a lot of time to turn it around. I'm not saying that applies to every player necessarily. Like some guys, like Vinny's going to keep hitting, right? I think we should be too worried about that. And a few other guys in the roster, yeah, probably aren't going to hit. But with Salve, I wasn't really worried about him. So, you know, he got hot. We'll have to see it. Keep it up. Yeah, no doubt. But how are we uh, How are we feeling about him in the lineup tonight? Because, I mean, the, the man is day-to-day. 
and he's back behind the plate. <laughs> like, he has a, what was it, a middle finger contusion? Like, I've had a contusion, and that thing is the size of a softball. I don't think his is that big, because what, he'd be, okay, give me the ball. <laughs> Just his fingers all spread out and crap. But I, he, he's got to take a couple days off, right, Jeremy? Like, the man is human, correct? Is he? Are I, you sure? Have you done a DNA test? Um, well, no. I've also never met Salvador Perez, so I don't even know right. if Salvador I, Perez exists. I am not going to declare him human until I see some sort of physical evidence. The guy is he's unreal, just and this is this is so far from the first time that he's been injured and everyone's like, Is he going on the IL? Is he gonna play this year? And then it's like uh nope he's back in the lineup and he's he's <laughs> behind the plate again like oh yeah he, i mean he snapped his arm in half yesterday doesn't matter he's back in the lineup he healed <laughs> up somehow I, he might be a mutant he might be they might have based the story of wolverine on him talk about healing fast my goodness it's something else greg go ahead yeah, I mean, whatever. The team says he's good to play. Do I trust them? Eh, not really, but you know they're going to send mm. him out there anyway. So, you know, whatever. He seem, he'll play through anything, it seems like, at this point, kind of to Jeremy's point. So keep sending him out there, I guess, since they decided they don't want MJ Melendez catching, and I guess they just don't want to play Freddie Fermin for whatever reason. That is true. That is true. Well, hey, coming up on the other side of this, we are going to beat the Hunter Dozier dead horse a little bit more. And plus, we're going to talk about our opinions on this new uh, this new home run celebration. Is it uh, is it whack or not? Coming up on the other side of this ad break. And we are back here on the Royals rundown. Jacob Milham. That's Greg Walker. That's Jeremy Greco. So as my wife is yelling off off camera that we need to leave Hunter Dozier alone. The fact of the matter is Hunter Dozier won't leave us alone. Okay. He won't, (laughs) he won't leave the Royals fandom in peace. Okay. Every, every time we see Hunter Dozier in the lineup, it is a, a angel loses its wings somewhere. Okay. That's that's not his fault. What's he supposed to do? He's retired. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. This is the same thing that we did last year with Ryan O'Hearn, right? Where everybody was tired of Ryan O'Hearn in the lineup. It was obvious to everyone that Ryan O'Hearn did not belong in the lineup. By the way, Ryan O'Hearn is in the Orioles lineup as we speak. (laughs) A team is 20 and (laughs) nine. And, uh, you know, it's not Hunter Dozier's fault. He's, he's, being paid, he's being paid millions of dollars to to do the best he can. And if I was in his position, I would not quit. I'd be like, I want my money. I'm obviously not going to get paid this much again. I'm going to take it while I can. So, uh, you know, this is this is on the Royals still. It is. We got rid of GMDM. We got rid of Matheny. We, we still are seeing the same patterns where it just does not make sense for them to keep putting him in the lineup, for him to be on the roster. And at this That's point, true. like I think the writing is kind of on the wall for him to get less playing time with Michael Garcia having come up now and mm-hmm. seemingly as a third baseman and with MJ Melendez being a full-time right fielder essentially and Nick Prado being in the big league roster now, there's nowhere to play him. So he's nope. just like the most overqualified, or I guess maybe not overqualified, but the highest paid bench player in the organization. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking about Hunter Dozier, the most qualified person to be at a third base, everyone. But no, Greg, you were you dropped in our in our chat earlier on some of his amazing <laughs> stats so far this year. A 17, 17 weighted runs created plus so far. In hey, it's positive. That's a start. <laughs> I mean, that zero. that is a start. But that means what? That he is. He's 83 percent below league average, below average. But yeah, you are right. You're right. It is positive, I guess. <laughs> a neg you know you know it's not positive it's negative 31 career outs above average at third base <laughs> the fact that they kept playing at a third base again this year was just mind-boggling to me like i thought we had moved on from the idea of him being a third baseman but apparently not like you still get nope. play time out there uh, apparently not but here we are no it's jeremy you are you're absolutely right in the fact that it is not on hunter dozier um, I think, you know, if if they want to keep all these young players up at the major league level, they're just going to have to eat his contract. And maybe if these young players are good to go, the front office can convince ownership. Hey, we, we ain't going to find a trade partner. No one's going to move for him. Just 
let us let us take this L and move on. All right, we're already catching losses left and right this season. Let us have a win, this small moral win. And speaking of of keeping the young guys up, um, I know some people have pointed out on Twitter that uh, former Royal Brent Rooker is having plenty of success in Oakland right now. And Mm -hmm. let's be completely honest here. This is a very small sample size on a very bad team where there's not a lot of pressure on him to, to perform. Uh, because they're they're gonna lose no matter what he does, uh, which I guess you could describe the Royals that way too. But still, Oof, um, you know, it's a tiny sample size. There's no guarantee he's going to keep this up. But he's 27 years old. Hunter Dozier is what 31, 32. Hunter mm-hmm. Dozier is not a part of the future. Even if he was having success right now, he is not a part of the future. Someone like Brent Rooker could have been and yet they chose to cut him uh this past off season and keep hunter dozier and ryan o'hearn for that matter uh, <laughs> at least temporarily uh it's it's just the 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 players that they don't give chances to while guys like ryan o- ryan o'hearn and hunter dozier continue to go out there and play or continue to sit on the bench just absolutely boggles the mind it just does not make any sense how or why they're making these decisions i mean this this was one of those trades that didn't make a whole lot of sense when it was made and now it just makes less sense like okay we have cam gallagher this perfectly capable backup catcher we're gonna trade him for this guy brent rooker give him 29 sporadic plate appearances and cut him loose like what, what was the point of that like you didn't even really give him a real shot and just cutting him loose and now he's finding his footing seemingly in oakland and you're right, small sample. He crushed the ball in the minors, but also struck out a ton, and I have a hard time believing he just magically fixed his strikeout issues in the majors all of a sudden. But regardless, like he's young enough. Give him a shot. See what he has. The Royals didn't even really do that. Like Again, 29 plate appearances last year. He was barely even getting the, the chance to start. And and uh, the, I would rather watch Brent Rooker strike out than Hunter Dozier. I mean, it's just the fact yeah. of the matter. Hail he's State. five years younger. I can pretend like he might get better. We we can we can put that figment in our minds at yeah. least imagine it, but I will to Brent Rooker's credit so far this season I will say he's looking the strikeout to walk ratio is looking really good twenty strikeouts to fourteen walks right now, and I I can't look past that an OPS north of a thousand that far, like that is that is crazy to think like every, everyone's talking about how good. Edward Olivares has been. Who? Imagine, imagine Brent Rooker being in left field with a decent glove that doesn't make me cringe whenever I see a ball come his way, <laughs> and an even better bat. I'm sorry, like that. I think that's a difference maker to me. I I can't look past it. It's so hard. I like that the same age as we have there, to get excited true. about it, like a league average bat that can't play defense. Yeah, that is very sad. Hey, I was we're I'm going off on a on a side quest here. So I was looking at Brent Rooker's OPS and I wanted to compare it to like the all-time leaders for the Kansas City Royals like ever in their OPS. Guess who has the highest career OPS in minimum plate appearances? Yeah, for the Royals. I know, but what's the minimum plate appearance threshold here? Oh, um give me one second. That's pretty important. Yeah, that it is. Yeah. <laughs> there could um, be a lot of guys if we set the bar low enough. 200. 200, dude, 200 is a really low bar. It could be a lot yeah. of guys. Like, um, Who's a trade deadline acquisition that raged? Like, I know Ben Zobris didn't hit really that well, <laughs> but that, that still comes to mind as a guy that it could be. I, I feel like I want to go with like an Amos Otis to like a John Mayberry or something, though. I, I was about to say, it, it is an older player, not, not in the current era. Is it not one of those two? Nope. Okay, I have no idea then. You got I, anyone, Jeremy? I mean, George Brett. Come, I, I can't. I'm having a hard time imagining anyone having a higher OPS than. I know, than but him that seemed team, too easy. I know. I well, that's who I thought, and he's third on this list. So, like, he, right. his career, his OPS in Kansas City was eight fifty seven. Nothing to nothing to be ashamed of at all. But Danny Tartable. Oh damn it! Yep, eight ninety four. I don't know how. I mean, the dude could really hit. He could, but like that much better than Mike Sweeney and George who, Brett and who was all second? 
Mike Sweeney was second. Mike Sweeney had a higher career OPS than George Brett. Yep. Vinny Pasquantino wow. is going to be number one on that list when it's all said. Yeah. I have an article about that coming out whenever I get around to actually finishing it. <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah. Heck yeah. I will love to see that. But no, it's a. Uh, I will say that I think George Brett has like the best single season OPS. Okay. In Royals history. I mean, he for uh, sure does. He's the only one to ever win MVP. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he appears in the top 10 of this list. He appears four times. That's right. Only four yeah. times. Yeah, <laughs> o- right. only four. In 80, he had a 1.118 OPS over the season. That is absolutely crazy to me. I couldn't I couldn't imagine that in today's game. I so couldn't imagine that in today's Royals. <laughs> I couldn't imagine that in today's game. It'll just be somebody wearing a different uniform. That's true. Sad but true. So actually, I can imagine. I can imagine more than that because I'm watching Dylan Cruz at LSU this year, and the dude has like, the dude has like a 650 on base right now. Oh my gosh! No way. Are you he, has like, he has like 14 strikeouts and like almost 200 plate appearances. He's slugging like 800. Yeah. What the hell? And that's that in the is, SEC. That that's the tough. That's the toughest conference in college baseball. He's doing it in the SEC. It's absurd. He's going to go number one to the Pittsburgh Gotta Pirates add. in this year's draft. We got to add a segment to the show called Greg brings us a random stat from college baseball. Greg talks college <laughs> baseball. Check it out. There's going to be perhaps two uh, college teammates are going to go one, two in the draft this year with uh, Paul Skeens going second. We could see that. Goodness. Hey, I'll, I'll keep around for it. I keep on underestimating how close the freaking draft is. I mean, it's, it's still two months and change ish away. It's in the all-star break now. It's not in June anymore. So there's that. Right. Um, but before we get out of here and before we get on to uh, Brian Henry's segment this uh, this week, really good stuff over outs above average and UZR with Brian this week. Um, Jeremy, you you brought this to my attention <laughs> and it kind of with the, with a little bit of a slump. I forgot about it, but the Royals debuted this uh, this gladiator helmet, this mask I, I don't even know what it is and it was enough to where you brought it to my attention and said look look at this and i read it in the tone that was not good so this is this is my chance i want to hear your thoughts on this gladiator helmet so when it comes to home run celebrations there are two parties that matter right there are the players and there are the fans And as a player, like home run celebration hats have been kind of a thing this year. Um, I know Atlanta had the big hat and I I could have sworn I heard about a couple others. Oh, the the Angels had the samurai hat or whatever. Um, So like hats are a thing this year. Cool. Um, So as as a Royals player, like I would be like, yeah, I want to get on on that. Why don't we have a, a home run hat? But as a Royals fan, it feels a little bit like. Oh, we got to jump on a bandwagon, huh? Can't do anything unique and interesting, huh? We got to be like everybody else. But then the best part was I was reading um, Annie Rogers writing about this. And of course, the Gladiator helmet, which does not tie into the Royals at all, despite her best efforts in her article to to set, to argue their argument that it does we're just fighters we try really hard okay guys um it wasn't the first option according to any rogers reporting the first option was a giant crown which makes a lot of sense and could have been a lot of fun unfortunately it was dented which honestly i think suits the royals a lot better this year um <laughs> and might have actually been fun it's just like yeah we got a dented crown because they hit the ball off of it maybe i don't know like that, that we could have done something with that how little fun but it just felt like oh no we can't do a dented crown because it's got to be picture perfect so we'll do a gladiator mask um so like as a fan i'm just rolling my eyes so hard at the bandwagon nature of it and at the like just complete out of left field why a gladiator mask um, but I, I, if I was a player, I would, I'd be like, yeah, I'm excited. I want to have a cool home run celebration hat too. Yeah. I mean, Gre- Greg, do you have any thoughts on this? I am. I'm so like middle of the road. I, I fully like. disagree with you, Jeremy. I think it's rad. Right. 
Whenever if players want to do something and just have some fun out there, then I don't mind it. I don't I don't see it as being bandwagony at all. Like, sure, like half the teams in baseball have some kind of prop, not necessarily hats. Like the Pirates have the jacket they use. The Blue Jays had a jacket last year they actually stopped using because they're trying to be more like professional or whatever. And I'm like, okay, shut up. Like, I don't know. It's major. <laughs> this is college baseball energy, which anything that's kind of that sort of energy I'm all about is having some sort of celebration. It could be a hat. It could be a jacket. It could be the laundry cart like the Red Sox were doing a couple of years ago where the guy would ride in a laundry cart. It could be like my favorite one is probably Virginia Tech baseball. Had they bring out the sledgehammer. And so when the guy comes back to the dugout or like in front of the dugout, he just picks up the hammer and fucking pounds the ground with it. Sorry, I swear you can bleep that out. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got really I got really into the college vibe. But anyway, yeah. Just, <laughs> any kind of home run celebration, I'm for it. I don't think it needs to tie into the team in any practical way at all. Like the Padres do a sombrero. Why? Because Fernando Tatis saw it in a shop at Mexico when they were there for their Mexico but, series and liked it. And so they decided there's to start an impromptu that. nature to that, where it's like one of the one of the players was like, ah, I don't know, this looks cool. All right, guys, I mean, let's be stupid. Very planned. How do you know that wasn't with the Royals too? Like I wasn't in the room, and so maybe somebody was like, "Yo, well, the description was that uh, I can't remember which of the coaches was just like, we fight really hard." So, and I watched Gladiator, and Gladiator fights really hard. So, Gladiator face mask, which yeah. they don't even wear a mask like that in that movie. So, I I'm just I'm at a loss. Well, hang on, that's the helmet that uh, Russell Crowe was wearing, like kind of early on in the Gladiator. Oh, okay, films. like not really, but not see much, that's much later. The- it exactly like it's uh, it's such a minuscule part of of the gladiator movie like i wouldn't have even placed it i was like okay this is just like a like an old school roman mask cool whatever you want to do with it i feel like i wonder wonder if the coach made that story up because like i'll fully buy that honestly yeah you know i love i love when the players get into random stuff like that like the the rally mantis that was a great time i loved the rally mantis um I, the hat just strikes me as as and i could be wrong but the way i read it is is very like corporate like okay uh now we got to be like everybody else and this is our kind of approved idea that uh you all can have it does it doesn't feel organic it doesn't feel fun it feels forced to me okay Wait until I, Russell Crowe complains fair. about it and forces them to stop wearing it. Like <laughs> that was so. That was so. I mean, we, we've already sweared. That was so <laughs> shitty of New Era to do. Like, why? I everyone proposed that. Okay, you just send them a, a huge yeah, New just make Era brand. Like, what's yeah, the problem? That is that is the solution, and everyone wins. God, I was so like, wow. Okay, way to way to spoil the fun. Have the I'm the Orioles lead everyone in the home run celebrations. I I hope y'all know that the the home run um, beer bong was. Oh yes, <laughs> I forgot about that. Yes, the the sprinklers for the, the dong bong. Yeah, it's not yeah. just home run oh, celebration. Wow. They just have it in general. Like that's it's young teams having fun. I love to see it. it exactly. I think maybe if. But that that's the thing. The the gladiator helmet is you don't see it very often. It does feel a little it, it does feel a little forced. I it just doesn't fit, in my opinion, but it probably means more to these players if what they're saying in any Rogers article is genuine and not, you know, some messaging stuff, which I wouldn't be surprised. But if it's genuine from the players, then cool. Good for them. They got their thing. They can keep their thing. I ain't going to do that if I get a promotional work or something. I want to believe that it's not true. I want to believe that like one of the players, like, I don't know, Kyle Isbell is just like at the shop or something and saw that. And he's like, that's pretty cool. I'm going to bring that into the dugout and see if guys want to wear it. Like, I think that would be way better if it was just something stupid like that. Exactly. Yeah. But why wouldn't they tell that story if that was true? I don't know, because most people probably think it would be like, or I guess the role is PR. Just maybe thought the optics would be better if they're like, no, it's, it's a message. Like, there's a there's a purpose to it. The only my, – my final problem with the Gladiator helmet is no one on this team fights harder than Nicky Lopez, and he ain't going to get to wear that thing. <laughs> It's been a couple of years since he went yard, has ah. Oh, my God. Sorry, Jerry. That, that was a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, look, hopefully we see it a lot more uh, in, in the coming games. 
we we do have some pretty easy opponents between the next times we record you got the athletics you got the white Sox come to town and they are an even bigger dumpster fire than the royals are right now somehow so weird it is it is absolutely <laughs> weird poor poor pedro poor pedro what, what did he get himself into but um but guys i think that's gonna do it for uh for us tonight before we move on to brian henry i do want to hear where we can find y'all's work jeremy go ahead please you can find me on Twitter at Hakaius, H-O-K-I-U-S. And uh, yeah, I'm just uh, tweeting about cleaning my microwave at 1030 at night when I should be in bed. Yeah, that was uh, I feel like that was peak early 2010s Twitter content right there. <laughs> like that, that would have been retweeted about 20,000 times if it happened then. <laughs> Greg, what about you, man? Where, where can folks find you and your work? You can find me on Twitter at Greg, not Craig. That is Craig spelled C-R-E-G. I don't actually post a whole lot of baseball stuff on Twitter. I mostly just like retweet urbanist things. And so that's kind of my vibe there. Uh, you can also read my writing on rosary.com and listen to me talk about both college baseball and just general MLB over on my podcast, Bat Flips and Infield Shifts, which you can find probably wherever you're listening to this. Just uh, search for it in the search bar. Heck yeah, it's a it's a good listen. So I highly suggest it. Um, again, I'm Jacob Milham. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob Milham KC. You can find my work on well on here, of course, and then over at Kings of Kaufman. So always a uh, always a good time to have Greg and Jeremy on the on the podcast coming up here in a little bit. We will have our weekly segment from Brian Henry breaking down some advanced metrics and how it affects Edward Olivares and Bobby Wood Jr. Stay tuned. Yeah, I want to I want to talk about a couple of defensive metrics. Um, I'm going to focus on OAA and UZR, um, and I'll and a couple others will get mentioned, but those are the main two because they're trying to do very similar things. But one was kind of designed before we had Statcast, and the others um, built off of Statcast data. Uh, one of my great hopes when Statcast came in was that we could get better defensive metrics. Um, I think we maybe have, but it doesn't solve some of the problems with defensive metrics in general of sample size issues, which we can get into if we want to today. Um, but I want to kind of talk about what they're trying to do and the way they do it. And then uh, talk about a couple of players uh, and how they kind of rank with these different metrics. So, um, um, quick, quick question for you, real fast. So yeah. OAA came post that task. UCR yep. Yeah, so this is one that MLB actually started pushing out. Um, so it's coming from Baseball Savant. Uh, and so uh, they're the creators. Because, again, they kind of have people like uh, the guy who started Baseball Savant and Tom Tango and some of those guys work for, for MLB now. Okay. Um, and so they created it. Um, I don't know the history of UZR, but um, <laughs> yeah. It was, was listen, try to find any good defensive metric for um, Major League Baseball. It has to be a labor of love. Yeah. It, it is no easy thing. I no, certainly not. Um, it, it's been a long struggle because, I mean, errors in general are just too subjective and so have always been problematic. Okay. So, well, hey, anyway. why don't, yes, what, please go ahead. The, the floor is yours. Brian. Yeah. Let's talk about OAA again. All, what, I, what it actually is, is outs above average. Um, and so they're just trying to define how many more outs a player makes than someone else uh, who's kind of the average at their, at their position. Right. Um, and the way they do that is actually slightly different depending on if you're in the outfield or in the infield. Um, and so, in the outfield, what they're doing is they're measuring the distance the player has to move to make the play. Uh, and it, because again, the, the stack has is tracking where they start and then where they end up and all of that. So the, the distance they have to travel, how much time they have to get there, um, and the direction that they're moving. So in or out right, left, right. Or some combination. Um, and basically is using that in the outfield to define a catch probability um in the infield they treat distance similarly but they treat it as an intercept with the ball so it's more like they create a triangle 
out of the player in the ball path. Um, and so it's a little bit different, um, but it's still kind of the same idea, same time component. And they add in um, the distance the play is from the person making it. So if you're fielding it short, you have a further throw than if you're fielding it second, right? Um, and then um, the speed of the runner is also a factor as well. Oh, wow, so, that's a lot of moving parts. Yeah, and so it's that's why that's this is the type of thing I was hoping for when they got stackcast is we could do some of this stuff, and basically then the probability of making the play. So for if it's a hard, uh, a reasonably hard play, it's about it, but some something most players could make. So say there's a seventy five percent probability according to the model that that play gets made, um, and you catch it, you basically get point two five um, oh. positive. Um, and if you miss it, you get minus 0. 0.75. Does that make sense? So like, yes, if, yes. That does. If it's like a 99% play, you better catch it. Cause you're going to get a big minus <laughs> you right. know? and you get, almost nothing, but you get almost nothing for making the play, <laughs> you know? And so it, that's kind of the structure, right? And so you okay. get a lot more, a lot more positive for a much more difficult play. Gotcha. Um, UZR is trying to do the same thing, but they didn't have all these location metrics and things. We didn't know where players were standing and so on and so right. forth, um, which is one of my main concerns with it at this point is that the way they built it doesn't adjust for a world where shifts became very popular and whatnot. Um, positioning is very different than when they created UZR. Okay. So um, similar, the math is very similar. Um, but they're, what they're using is uh, actually they're aggregating four different statistics um, to do it. So they're they're doing ARM, DPR, range R, and error runs. Um, you can think of range R and error runs similarly to what OAA is doing, uh, where how far the player would have to move uh, and whether or not they made the play kind of um, on a, on a hard or, or easy play, and then. Um, DPR is double play runs. Um, so especially for Bobby Witt, that would be one. Uh, are you able to turn plays that you should? And then arm yeah. is especially an outfield one where um, can they stop, basically take extra bases away from runners with their arms or even get outs, right? Okay. Um, so they're kind of, but they're basically doing the same thing. It's just that they don't have um, all of the, the same tools. So what they're using is six years of um, location of the where the batted ball is hitting and then the batted ball profile um and so it's a little bit it's a little bit less sophisticated i guess um but the, they uh use a lot of the older batted ball data for that um but not launch angle and and velocity more line drive versus pop-up you know what i mean i see yeah that, that makes sense but uh, i do more, i I do want to take a step back real fast, Brian, though. Sure. So if if someone, let's say, went to the OAA leaderboard on baseball savant, sure. Um, they're they're gonna see they're gonna see everyone stacked up. You're gonna see red, you're gonna see blue. But then you look off to the right hand side of the screen and they're gonna see that estimated success rate. And yeah. success rate added. So when you were talking about the chances of making certain plays, is that one thing you're also referencing to? Like Hey, you know what? This uh, let's say Bobby Witt made an incredible play, and he added to his success rate. Is that is that how that plays in? Yes, um, okay. loosely. So if, if you make more plays than expected, that would be positive outs. Okay. So, Got it. Thank, thank you for verifying yeah. that. So that, those all kind of work together, and there's also the. Um, um, Dang it! <laughs> I just lost my. <laughs> but they, they have the the runs of out outs above. They can convert the outs above average to runs too, which is actually what um, which is actually what the UCR does is 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 it does the same calculation, but then it can converts it to um, runs. Um, oh, I see. Because you can take that probability. So if it, if it's twenty five percent to make the play, when you make the play times a um, expected runs allowed you can just take 25% times expected runs allowed and get um, that. And so okay. I'm trying to keep it from getting too far down in there, but that's, that's kind of the idea at least. Um, 
but anyway, let's talk about um, with these two, what's interesting. So Bobby Witt, although it's um, changed a little bit in the last week, uh, fairly well on OAA. Um, oh, that, and that's what they call it. RAA is the runs above average. So it was gotcha. the one to. Um, he's done pretty well in that. He's a solid out above average, um, which again, we're early in the season. So that'd be on pace for, you know, uh, I don't know how many at this point, more than, more than five for sure, which would be good. Um, yeah. and his UZR is negative, although at this point it's really close to zero. Um, it was extremely negative. Um, I wish I would have screen capped that and figured out what day it was because now it's too late but um he was like on a so uzr you can take the where they're at and then there's a uzr per 150 where they try and make that into a kept on this pace for a full season what it would look like oh i see and his his was like really negative until like um the minnesota series and then i think it was the night he made that play where he kind of ranged behind second base and had to whip and whip a throw over to first base. Like he had to go a long way to grab it and get it over yeah, to first base and got the out that it wiped out almost all his negative range negative and or most of his range negative. And so um, now actually his UZR is, is pretty close to zero, but slightly negative, I guess would, would be how I would call it. So, okay. Um, but the two have basically disagreed all year that OAA is like Bobby Witt. UZR has not. That also kind of exhibits again why defensive statistics take so long to stabilize. Is one play can move the needle a long way. That's true, and they're, and they're infrequent. Um, and so, um, but that that did happen. But that's been how it's set up. Oliveris is kind of the the other guy, and he's the flip. Um, UZR hmm. has liked him a lot this year, um, really? uh, except for his range. Um, but they like his arm, which I don't quite understand. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, unfortunately, uh, but OAA has not liked him. He's negative three runs in OAA, um, and his pace for UZR per 150 is positive 4.6 runs. Wow, um, okay. Which surprised me, and that's why I kind of wanted to look at this. So, um, And again, he's played right field and left field, and it's been – it's both – both are behaving the same way. So there's no difference mm. between field and left field. It's negative on the OAA side. It's positive on the UZR side. So um, I, I've had, I have a hard time watching Olivares play outfield this year and saying he's oh my a goodness, yes. outfielder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> again, makes me question UZR quite a bit. And I, again, I, it might just be a, a, a thing of when it was created, it was the best we could do. And now maybe it's a little bit obsolete. So I also did some other research real quick. Um, and in 2020, uh, Baseball Prospectus did a workup on which defensive statistics were best for – for um, they split it infield and outfield. Oh, okay. uh, good. They compared FRAA, OAA, OAA, Red, DRS, UZR, like a whole, like a whole laundry list, right? Wow. Um, and – they found that the best outfield um, defense metric was FRAA, which is their metric. Um, <laughs> um, so another, another. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I'm not as familiar with that one. I haven't, I don't have a BP um, uh, subscription or anything, but um, FRAA won the outfield yeah. and then OAA won the infield. So OAA was the best infield metric, um, according to their um, math. So, um, and that article's out there if, if anybody wants to find it. Um, but it, it was written by Jonathan Judge and Sean O'Rourke back in 2020. Um, so, um, and so that makes me feel a little better that, hey, if they're saying the best infield statistic is OAA and that's what Bobby Witt's doing better in, well, then um, I'm pretty happy about that. Um, and hopefully he can keep it yeah, up. Yeah, I'll, I'll take last- that. Last year he was okay, so it's not like it liked him last year. Uh, it definitely did not. So um, he's doing better based on their their calculations, which and I think he's. I mean, he hasn't made nearly as many errant throws um, as he did last year, especially. So we'll see. Uh, so I think this is that you and I can agree on about advanced metrics. You know, 
the there's just something about the eye test that really can outweigh some of these some of these metrics. You know what I mean? Like where it's it's hard to believe that uh, excuse me, U, UZR is is favoring Edward on when we actually yeah. watch him out in the field and it's just not watchable for lack of terms. Yeah, I think I th- I think always you need both in defense, especially until we get something that's much better. Um, and, and I mean, I think Eric Hosmer was the one that was probably the the, the most. You know, people love the way he looked doing things, but the metrics all hated him, and so that was probably the one that that was the hardest kind of disentangle um, for for anybody. But um, yeah, I. I I think you need both. And part of it is, again, just the how many plays do you make in a year that aren't that super high percentage? And those few plays carry so much weight sometimes that it can throw things off quite a bit. So, yeah. Because all the, all the 98, 99% plays you make just don't matter very much. Unless you're missing them, unless you're missing them, and then they matter a whole lot, and you're terrible. Okay. Um, which I've seen that too, because I've been a Royals fan um, at short multiple times. <laughs> I remember watching Tony Pena Jr. play short. Um, so the well, yes, for, for multiple yeah. years we've, we've seen that at short. And I bet you that bogged down. Yeah. Bottom um, is, um, well, Ryan, what else? Uh, what else can we take from OAA or UZR? Um, at this point, I'm just kind of watching them, uh, and I just saw the okay. Olivares positive in the in the split on Bobby, and I'm like, that's interesting. Um, but again, I I won't trust them anytime soon, uh, and so I, I I'm not as I guess I haven't paid as much attention to defensive metrics as hitting and pitching over the years. And so I'm kind of watching it a little more consistently this year to kind of, like I said, so I notice when they shift and then if I can remember what kind of play maybe made it shift, it gives me a better idea of how volatile it is. Cause, um, it'd be nice to have all the underlying numbers for the OAA, but I don't think they're ever going to give us that. So, um, I do, I do think one of the other things that was interesting was like, um, with OAAs, I think I, when people make really good plays, if they have a, Hey, this was a, you know, a 2% chance of making that play. And he made the play. I think they should be overlaying that on their videos and stuff. Yeah. Probably um, so. But I also think in some ways, like when somebody lays out in the outfield and makes a catch, sometimes that percentage is less impressive than you think because they didn't <laughs> take a very good route to the ball, <laughs> you know, uh, and things like that. And so I would be interested to see on the back end what they're looking at um, for those reasons too. But um, again, I don't know how we would get access to that. So um, that I don't is, think uh... they're hire me anytime soon so um <laughs> but that's the kind of thing I'm, I'm i'm just trying to keep an eye on when i see bobby or somebody do something i've been kind of then the next day kind of looking at well what happened to their numbers and how did they oh. shift because um it's pretty volatile i mean it it moved from i think negative 12 uzr per 150 to like negative 0.7 in one day something wow. like that that is that is, is yeah it's real volatile <laughs> it's a big yeah. difference so um so that's that's the kind of thing where like don't trust them yet but they are interesting and if things are trending the way they're going right now i i'm pretty happy with bobby's defense um he still has some flaws but but mm-hmm. i think he'd be a an actual major league shortstop um we know he can hit for power um you know, and so you're starting to build a case if he can ever figure out how to get on base consistently that he can be something like a pretty mm-hmm. big, pretty big player. Olivares, on the other hand, is hitting like a you know multiple extra base hits in a row, which is fun. Yeah, exactly. Um, that but it can is. He basically, left field well enough to to make the bat play is is probably the bigger question. So, um, especially when Waters gets back, if they're playing mm-hmm. um, Melendez in right field every day right 
there's right. like so many out spots. So uh, it gets a it gets a little bit harder to, to figure out that puzzle, uh, especially Prado's playing too. You know, like he's been eating some left field too. So um, that he has that puzzle has gotten is going to get more complex here in a, a couple weeks. So that it will, and we will uh, we'll certainly keep an eye on that over. At- Please go check out over there for all the news and analysis you can want. Um, Brian, have you, uh, what article you put out over there? Have you, uh, what you've been writing about? I wrote about the schedule coming up being easy so that I get comments from people saying I'm trying to make excuses for the Royals. I always love that. So, uh, <laughs> you got you to farm, like, you got to farm those comments. I'm like, I'm just saying that the first month was tough. I don't, I'm not telling, I'm not telling you that's why they're bad. It just didn't help. <laughs> exactly. Um, I'm, I'm writing something experimental right now that, man, it could be fun or it could be horrible. We'll, we'll see how it ends. So, well, there's only one way to. Right. Well, uh, all of the listeners out there, please go check out Brian's stuff on, on Royals Review. It is, it's refreshing, it's educational. So please go. So, and the crew's work over there. Um, Brian, again, thank if, you. You're, if you're looking for Brian, no, it's the wrong name. So Yes. <laughs> so, yes, please remind. Treatment. Thank you. Yep. Royal treatment. So I, I yep. do apologize. Habitual. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Brian, thank you again for, for joining the show. Thank you for educating us all. Um, and can't wait to have you on next time and learn some more from you. Does that sound good? Sounds good. 